Hello and welcome to Counsel from Above, your place to ask a counselor questions you wish he would answer from God's Word. I am your host, Nathan Honeycutt, licensed professional counselor, minister of the Church of Christ, excited about talking about our topic today on adoption. Hey, have you sent me a question yet? You ought to. You can send it to me at counselfromabove at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Counsel from Above Podcast. These are all places you can get to know good information about the podcast and even find our latest edition, which is now videos. Now, we'll be dropping every other week uh, a video that answers a question. So, hey, jump on, see it, watch it, share it, all those good things. We love to have the feedback and all the comments. Hey, today I have a guest with me, a special guest with me, (laughs) not just a guest, but a special guest. Her name is Christina Lackey. Hello, Christina. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing pretty good. Wonderful. (laughs) Christina and I have known each other now uh, for 11 years. Mm. Uh, We have been colleagues, worked together. You've dealt with me, put up with me. Uh, I can't say I had to put up with you, but you put up with me. I did. I did. Got away for a little bit and came back. So, Christina, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, I have been working with kids, teens, for the last 21 years. Actually, this next month is my 21th anniversary, so that's making me feel old. Um, So that's great. And let's see. Personally, I am a wife. We've actually been married for 20 years this last summer. Um, I've got three children, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 15-year-old. Um, we're getting ready for winter banquet and she looks way too old. Anyway, no so that's a different, yes. that's a different they discussion. Get older fast, <laughs> okay. Yep, absolutely. Um, a little bit of background with me. So obviously I've been working with, um, at-risk youth who have been, um, gone through a lot of different things. I have some history myself. I uh, grew up in foster care. Um, I aged out of foster care. I was actually in foster care in California and then came out here with my foster family. Um, and so I've been involved with Fostering Hope on the board of directors there for a number of years. And uh, yeah, so we'll just see if some of my knowledge and history help out with some of these questions. Absolutely. I know you and I talk a lot about just kind of the knowledge you gain, not only from kind of personal experiences, uh, but also working in the place that you worked. I mean, you, it's, you, your story is always a story I love to tell because your story is of what most people call in the industry an entry-level position Mm -hmm. and then you've gone all the way to now being clinical supervisor so uh, impressive in all the work that you've done in all those years so I appreciate you being with me and again putting up with me yet again here we go all right so I got three questions as I usually do Uh, these three questions uh, two of them come off the Facebook group one of them actually comes from an anonymous email and so I appreciate uh, getting both if you again if you have them send them to me So this first one is anonymous, comes from an email that I received. The email asks, as a woman who has placed a child in a semi-open adoption, what suggestions do you have to help my daughter develop with less trauma within the parameters set by her adoptive parents? Furthermore, what suggestions do you have for people who interact with those who have been adopted often to help them become better adjusted? So when you first think about this question, I couldn't help but kind of hear the phrase semi-open adoption. What, Christina? What do you when you hear that phrase? What comes to your mind of a semi-open adoption? Um, I think that it's not like completely open in the sense that the 
adopt, not adoptive, sorry, the um, bio parent is not necessarily involved in all areas of the child's life. And so there are portions that maybe there's cards, maybe there's a phone call here or there, you know, what that looks like can um, vary greatly. And so I do think that there's portions that they are involved in or a part of, um, but a lot of it is not. You know, sometimes with adoptions, there's a complete closure yes. in that this person's adopted. They're no longer here. Families are completely not only separated. You have others that are on the opposite end of the spectrum that they're completely not only open. They, this is the whole shooting match. This is the whole family. And then you have mm-hmm. everything kind of in between. So with this particular question, uh, specifically talking about this mom's concern about the trauma and the development and the things that might come from uh, this particular daughter. So what suggestions do you have uh, to be able to help this daughter develop with less trauma as this information starts to come out? So I think that the idea that it was it's going to be traumatizing um, may not be the case because with trauma, that is being in situations that you can't control. You are in a situation that you are fearful for possibly your life or different situations. And so I think that a semi-open adoption doesn't necessarily have to result in um, the child feeling or being traumatized. And so I think that the um, advice that I would give is being honest. So obviously the child is aware that there is another parent Um, The level of involvement of the bio parent, um, of course, we've already talked about, can vary quite uh, widely. And so as the child gets more interested in in pursuing what is this other side, you know, my biological side, because that's going to happen. We are all curious people. And when there's a known adoption, there's going to be curiosity. And so allowing that kiddo, as they're asking questions, to just have those questions answered as much as possible, um, being transparent and honest. Um, kids are really smart. And so if we are trying to beat around the bush and not being honest with our answers, they're going that will cause more um, distrust and struggles than um, not saying something. Well, and especially when you're getting asked questions, the question always becomes, what do you tell and what do you mm-hmm. not tell? How much information do you give? What can they... And I think all of it is kind of age-related. Yes. Um, You know, obviously, if it's a three-year-old, I don't go through and dump the whole load and say, these are all the things that took place and that happened. Uh, But I'm also um, building a relationship of trust that says, when you're ready, I'm going to tell you. Yes. Because uh, in, in probably one of the biggest issues most parents have with children that are through trauma or children that are in this type of a situation is leaning so heavily on trust me I know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. when you don't have that relationship then they're not going to trust that you know what they're doing that you're just holding back uh, out of your own personal vendetta and so the more you build that relationship to be able to build that connection answer the questions you can If you can't answer it or shouldn't answer it, tell them, this is why I can't or this is why I shouldn't. And it begins to build that particular relationship. And again, I really like the question saying within the parameters set by the adoptive Mm -hmm. parents. It's really showing a lot of respect for that. That is honor. And I really am, am thankful that in that regard, 
It's not about undermining the adoptive parents. It's not about trying to erode their relationship to carve your own. But I think it's about being able to help the child develop more relationships Mm -hmm. that are bigger. I know that whenever, uh, you know, Wyatt was born, my oldest son, you know, loved the kid to death. And then we had Brady and I was like, well, how do I, do I love one less and more, more Mm -hmm. or, or how do you do that? Because in, in many of our minds, uh, we only have so much love to give. And one gets this much, and this one gets what's left. And, and, and You would try and quantify that. I would. Wouldn't I? That's the way I am. That's the way I roll right there. And so the reality becomes is it's not, it's not about having 100% dividing them out. Instead, it's about a new relationship and giving 100 to that relationship. And so with this particular question, it's about helping the child build a new relationship, not changing the relationship they already have. Now, the second part of the question, which I thought was really interesting, is what suggestions do you have for people who interact with those who've been adopted? So is there a different way to talk to an adoptive child? Compared to the average kiddo that's not adopted? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that we we need to keep in mind any kid's story, their background. So whether it's adoption, whether or not they've gone through foster care, whether or not they've had some trauma, maybe they're struggling with depression, you know, all of those things. And so I think with any kid, we're going to keep those sorts of things in mind. Yeah. And so um, what my what comes to my mind is... Um, I teach a lot of people about validation. And with validation, uh, Nathan's giving me a look because validation normally comes up in my conversation. Every conversation, <laughs> validation's coming up sometimes. It's, it's a thing. It's, it's a, good a thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with validation, we're just saying your view, your perspective makes sense within your world. And so with that, we're going to honor that and we're going to respect that and answer questions the best we can. And so we're going to do that regardless of their story, regardless of their background. And so I don't know that we would talk to them really differently, but we would keep that in um, consideration. Yeah, I mean, every child or every person, if we know there's a sensitive area, when we begin to learn that, then we manage that differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... You know, every now and then, I mean, we all do it, stick our foot in our mouth, you know, we find a time. Some more than others. Some more than others. And some deeper than others, it happens as well. But, you know, there's times in which, you know, you you may come across a section or question or a time in which uh, maybe they're not ready for or things of that nature. And you kind of deal with that and manage that. But the reality becomes is that, as long as your heart is about trying to connect with and be a part of their life, then um, I think you find a whole lot more forgiveness mm-hmm. and a lot more, a whole lot more uh, related to that. Well, I appreciate the email and the question. That was a great question. I appreciate that. Our next question comes from the Facebook group. Uh, this comes from Kate. Kate says, how to help them cope with the difficult questions, particularly with one's we are unable to answer. So them, I would assume, is adoptive children. So how do we help them cope with difficult questions? How do we do that with adoptive children or children in general? Oh, man. This one, it, it's, I think that it's difficult to apply sometimes because it more comes back to 
our feelings of not necessarily having the answers. Yep. And so we might shy away from certain conversations because we don't know everything. And if we wait until we have all the answers to have certain conversations, we're never going to have them. And so, you know, it comes down to um, it, all of our kids are growing up in a difficult time. Mm. Um, there are so many things involved. I am glad I'm not a teenager right now. Yeah, um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my 90s. You know, I'm a 90s girl. <laughs> yep. um, and so life is just difficult. And so I would say in general, we need to be um, empowering our kids to just have coping skills that are healthy, having people they feel comfortable talking to. Um, the, the answers may not be easy, but again, it comes back to what I've already discussed with validation. And so there are going to be times where there's going to be hard emotions. And when those emotions are there, we're supporting them through it. We're not necessarily trying to protect them from those emotions, but supporting them through it. You know, um, sometimes when we try and shield our children from different emotions and experiences, we create more challenges down the road. And so we've already talked about kind of developmentally, right? So if they're old enough to ask the question, then this has been an approach that I've had with my children. So if they're hearing stuff at school, if they're seeing stuff online, and they're old enough to ask a question, knowing that there's something about that, okay, let's have an honest conversation. And so when it comes to those that have been adopted or in foster care, those are difficult situations because a lot of their peers probably are not going through that. And so we're going to feel different. We're going to feel like there's, we might, you know, personalize it as, was there something wrong with me? Um, and so reassuring that they, there's absolutely nothing wrong with who they are. They went through this situation. It's a bit more complicated than just, oh, someone didn't it's, want me. Yeah. It may not be normal, yes. but it's yeah, yeah. still normal. Yeah. And being able to do that. And yeah. again, we've already talked about when we don't have the answer, being transparent, we don't have the answer. Yeah. Um, and it's not that we don't want to tell you this. It's, again, hashtag complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. You know, I think about James chapter 1 and how, you know, James tells us that the testing of our faith produces patience. And uh, as a kid, my or as I was first married, and I told my mom one time I was praying for patience. And she says, oh, good. She says, you pray for patience. That means you have more children. And so mom was all excited about grandkids and me praying for kids uh, or praying for patience because patience truly comes by going through difficult things. If we do our best to shelter our children from emotions, uh, from difficult things, then we are sheltering them from learning how to manage and we're keeping them from educating. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. advocating that we go around Expose traumatizing our children. Yeah, no. We find a way to make no, it no. horrible. <laughs> but it's also us. We are the ones that are trying to keep them from experiencing life, which I think hurts them more than it will ever help them. Uh, and thus, we want to be able to move through that. So how do you cope with difficult questions? You do it with honesty. You do it with integrity. You do it with a directness that says, this is important to you. This is important to me. And as much as I give you a hard time for validation, that is an exact <laughs> item uh, to put in that and to validate. I can understand how you would come to this question and hopefully in that same educating base, you help them to validate you mm-hmm. in being able to say, I can see how this would be difficult. 
And so it helps to build that connection uh, both particular ways. You know, particularly, I think there are times in which if you can't or don't know the answer, then I have encouraged others and myself, if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know the answer. Yes. The last thing you want to do is make up a yarn or make up a lie and then have to deal with the aftermath of that. Yeah. I mean, that's an aftermath that is so much worse uh, because it undermines so many things. So being honest to be able to say, you know, I don't know the answer. Here's how I'm going to find it. Or I don't know the answer. I don't know that I'll ever find it. And being able to present that uh, because there are going to be times in which the answers are going to be uh, hidden and may never mm-hmm. be known. All right, question number three. Uh, again, off the Facebook group, Megan provides me this question. Megan says, when is the best time to tell your child that they're adopted? My kiddo is eight, and I don't know when to tell her. Well, this is a good question, Megan, because this is really um, something Christine and I and other kind of off-air conversations have had is trying to help uh, a child navigate different uh, parental roles, different words, mm-hmm. different phrases, and things like that. So, um, Christina, when is the best time to tell the child that they're adopted? Oh, man, this is difficult because, I mean, each child's um, situation is different and unique. And so I think if it's if the decision was made not to tell them from the very beginning, um, you're taking into consideration where are they developmentally, are they capable of understanding and comprehending what you are about to share. Um, I what the comment that I made to you is you don't want them to discover it because there's a medical issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no so that I would advise against. Yeah, wait, <laughs> you know? wait till they're thirty and have a medical complication yes. no, or blood test, and yes. yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they you don't have the same blood going through you. Yep. Yeah. So so it's not an easy question to answer, and ultimately you've got to just make a decision on is your kiddo ready to have this conversation? Um, and honestly, I, I was talking, I, um, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I fostered for four years and we had a few different sibling groups. And I actually, um, I had like a, a seven, eight, nine, nine-year-old, like a, a kiddo in each one of the sibling groups that was around that age. And I really liked that age. And the reason why I like that age is because we're, we're out of the little kid stage so we're able to kind of process some things, and we're not in the teenager moody stage, right? <laughs> I have all the answers. Um, stage. You're right. Um, and so there were some times with those; they were both boys that after they had kind of a meltdown, we had uh, timeouts and things like that. We were able to sit down and have some really good conversations that they were able to start because they are starting to have questions. They're starting to process things differently. Um, and so I, I really actually like this age. And so without knowing um, this particular child, eight might be a good time to try and having that conversation. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, there's a number of families that are able to adopt a child straight from the hospital. You know, I've got a friend of mine. They they've have two children and both of them they took home from the hospital. And so there are times in which... Uh, that's the only family this child knows. This, yep. is, this is the only mom or dad or whatever the case may be. And so thus, this is it. This is the only ones that I know. And, you know, again, you're 
when the child is being developing, uh, this is dad, this is mom, this is, you know, mommy, daddy, and you know, always uh-huh. having the argument on who gets to be first, you know, which one <laughs> the child says first and the fight that gets to go on from that. And I think that it's it's important for uh, for them to be able to gain a distinguishing. And in my opinion, I think it's always sooner the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I have talked about kind of the difference between there's a dad and there's a father. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a mom, mom and a mother. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference between a dad and a father? A dad and a father. Okay, so I already mentioned that I grew up in foster care. And um, I had several families that were like, they were my family. So I had some group homes that I lived in, and then I had families um, that were pre-adoptive homes. And um, so I've had three different moms, and I've had three different dads. I've only had one father, and I've only had one mother. So for me, the way that I have um, kind of organized that in my mind is, the mother and father for me is more of a formal title. It is something that um, you really can't give because it was earned because they contributed to your birth. <laughs> they and were the donors they, that created this whole they, mess. They, I they mean, were this person. <laughs> major players. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so for that, in my mind, okay, I've only had one mother, one father. A mom and dad, those are titles. Those are um, things that we give. And so for me, um, every time I had a mom and dad that I lived with, um, I gave them that time. So they took care of me. They took care of my needs. Um, If I'm going to be completely honest, every time a home didn't work, it took me longer and longer to use the word mom and dad um, because it was something that I willingly gave. And so anyone who has fostered knows that um, you don't, require them to use your name you don't really require them to say mom and dad you really leave it up to the kid and so if a kid gets to a point where they're comfortable saying mom and dad and you're not biologically their mom and dad they're saying hey i see you as my parents you are taking care of my needs and it's it's really an honor for to be called that i think by kids that you didn't birth well it's all relationship yeah absolutely a a dad and a mom using that as a relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, distinguisher. So when you were willing perhaps to call them mom or dad is when yep. you were saying we are now in a relationship. Yep. We are now connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when when we use, and I think that especially if you've got a youngster that you've just adopted straight out of, and straight out of the womb, if you will, that you begin utilizing, here's your dad, here's your father. Uh, indicating that this is your dad and begin to kind of create a title difference so that it begins to kind of make sense to them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think you just walk around and say, this is your dad, he's not your father. I don't know <laughs> that I would recommend that too much. No. But it does help to distinguish uh, and help to prepare them for the question that's coming. And you also have now a time in which you may use these phrases and then they then say, okay, so tell me, you keep talking about this. What does this mean? Uh-huh. Now they have shown that they want to know. It makes a difference to them. They're processing a little They're bit deeper. Deeper processing. Uh-huh. And perhaps even helps to give you the true understanding as to whether it's time or not mm-hmm. based upon their willingness to express that. And so 
Um, I, I think, you know, think about an eight-year-old at this point and kind of getting back to the question, and that is, when do you tell them? The reality is I think you start with that father, mother, uh, dad, mom type of communication. Um, you know, this is your dad. What does a dad mean? This is a relationship. This is someone who cares for me. And I like how you mentioned that when you went to the different families, it meant I, you care for me and I have a connection mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. And um, just because you have that dad never eliminates the fact that you yep. had a father. Yep. And so the more you can distinguish that, even now, helps to be able to prepare for that question. Yeah, because, I mean, in my situation, um, you know, I have had multiple dads, um, but my father has, um, he's played a very pivotal role in my life. He was there. He was at my graduation, at my wedding, you know, various different situations, you know, times. And, um, you know, that that is a role that we show honor and we respect as well. Um, Some people fulfill the biological, you know, parent role um, a little bit more than others. My mother did not. Um, But still, that's still something that I honor. That's that's hers. And if she ever wants to kind of step up and (laughs) take on more of a role. It's available, available. yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't minimize or diminish um, the importance of either one. I think that it just separates them. Yeah, I think the more that you give them those titles, you give that connection. um, I think that when you talk about and you're kind of disclosing this all of a sudden to an eight year old, in a sense. Uh, I think you've got to be prepared for that question of what exactly does this mean? Uh, It may end up, and so uh, just to be upfront and honest, it may end up to where you've got to start asking, answering some questions about the birds and the bees Uh uh, and kind of what exactly does that mean, Uh you know? And so be prepared for that. And know that you may end up catching a couple of those questions. Because up to this point, they probably just filled in the blanks with whatever fantasy. The stork or whoever <laughs> might show up, you know, FedEx, you know, whatever the case yeah. may be. Amazon? Uh, <laughs> Amazon now, yes. The drone drops children off these days, absolutely. And so it, it may be that uh, they're trying to figure it out. And now you're introducing this. They may be asking you some more mm-hmm. uh, direct questions. So be prepared for that. Know that uh, they're going to be giving that and the information you can give them is always important to be able to help kind of draw them and, and be uh, you know, child specific, age specific, uh, but being able to give them the information that they're needing uh, to be able to know more and to know better. And, and the reality also, I think, is, and in, in Christine and I have spent years working with kids, and one of the things I think about, especially when I think about the Bible and and I think about the fact that God is called our Father, and depending on how a Father has acted in our life, can either draw us to God or draw mm-hmm. us away from God mm-hmm. based upon my image or my connection to that. Uh, and I think also in relationship to Jesus and his reference to God as Abba Father, was was a daddy phrase you know jesus looked at god as the father but he also looked at him as his dad Mm -hmm. and that built that connection that creation but then also uh of his physical body but then also that spiritual connection 
that's connected to it. So, Christina, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate no you being with me today and, and jumping in and giving us a different voice. So I appreciate you so much. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll do it again in sure. the future. So, yep. absolutely. Thanks for being here. No problem. Hey, do me a favor. Shoot me a question. I'd love to have it. Uh, you can get to me at councilfromabove at gmail.com. You can also jump on our Facebook group. Hey, while you're listening, why don't you just kind of push that button down there? Send me a five-star review. Say something nice, would you? So we can get other people involved to be able to know more about what we're doing in trying to draw every single day closer to God so that we can always listen to His counsel from above.